11.59 a.m. How you guys doing this week? BK here, Saturday, March 20th, 2021. As we get started here, coming at you guys from San Diego, please follow me on social media. You can check out my Twitter, at Bravo Kilo Actual, for breaking news throughout the week. And check out the Instagram, at BK Actual. Uh, just a quick announcement. Next week, I might possibly do the podcast on Friday evening. Not quite sure yet. I'll keep you guys posted on both those social media applications throughout the week. Why don't we get started here with our news, and let's go to Afghanistan, where nine security personnel have been killed after an Afghan military helicopter was downed, and they think this was by militia forces in eastern Afghanistan on Thursday. And this is kind of a big deal because it signals this kind of rift between the Afghan government and those regional forces, they're supposedly under the control of the Afghan government. So this fighting occurred in the Wardak province. That's the mountainous province that borders Kabul in the country's east. If you look at pictures of it, you know, that's where all the snow-capped peaks and shit are. And there, militia forces led by a guy named Abdul Ghani Alipur, who's a local warlord, have been engaged in this tense and sometimes violent standoff with government troops since January. And these latest clashes are now calling into question this whole relationship between the Afghan government and the militias. So according to a spokesperson for the, the uh, warlord, Alipur, Mohammed Hussein Tawana, he said, quote, there was fighting. Helicopters were targeting us, and when the helicopter was firing rockets, we had to shoot it, end quote. Uh, President Ashraf Ghani, meanwhile, did not directly accuse Alipur's forces of the attack, but he said that the helicopter, which was one of those uh, MI-17 Soviet-era aircraft, had been shot down. That's the word and phrasing he used. The Ministry of Defense said it was investigating. Uh, so those killed in the crash include the four crew members and five security personnel. Several militia members were also killed in this fighting. Now remember, roughly 11,000 United States and NATO forces are poised to withdraw from the country by May 1st under that 2020 peace deal between the U.S. and the Taliban. And as, meanwhile, as far as those peace negotiations that have been going on in Qatar... Between the Taliban and Afghan government, well, those have kind of fucking hit a roadblock and stalled out. So the Afghan government has been looking to use these militias to buck up the uh, you know, security forces that they have, which have been under fire constantly from the Taliban, like all the time. But at the same time, these militias, which are heavily armed, are kind of positioning some themselves to hold their territory should a U.S. troop withdrawal lead to the government's collapse or the country fractures along ethnic and tribal lines. This is just a huge mess. And it's also, this fighting, a further sign that a lot of people think once the U.S.-led forces leave Afghanistan, it's just going to break out into a friggin' free-for-all. So... You know, I, I don't know what to tell him. It's been 20 years. I might have been sympathetic to that. Like, you know, I don't know, six months in, two years in, not 20 years in. You're just going to have to figure it out for yourselves. I don't know what to tell you. I don't want one more American going and getting killed in Afghanistan over what? So a friggin' militia 
and the Taliban and the Afghan government can all like fight each other and blow an American up in the crossfire? No friggin' thanks. As far as this militia that supposedly shot down this helicopter, these are Hazara Shiites. That's the sect. It's a persecuted ethnic minority in Afghanistan that for decades has been targeted by the Sunni Taliban and other militant groups. And since the emergence of the Islamic State offshoot in the country in 2015, these Hazara Shiites have been attacked mercilessly in high-profile bombings, according to this New York Times article from my man Thomas Gibbons Neff. Uh, as far as Alipur, the warlord, he doesn't have a great reputation. He is accused of human rights abuses. He was arrested in 2018. He was released days later after local protests basically nearly spiraled out of control like they stormed the jail he was being held in. So this militia, Alipur's militia, they control key territory and roads into the Wardok province. So, yep. The cause of the fighting and what kind of led to this are sort of unclear, but a lot of it's, it's basically a lot of different causes. But one of the big ones was on January 29th when a protest calling for the removal of the new police chiefs turned violent when security forces opened fire. Eleven civilians were killed in that shooting. Jeez. And the people blamed the government and the security forces, so it's created all this hostility, so you can imagine. Just a friggin' shit show over there. And staying with Afghanistan, there has been a new report that came out, and this was from John Sopko. I've mentioned him several times before. That is the Special Inspector General for Afghan Reconstruction, or the SIGAR. And he came out and said, basically, uh, yeah, you know what? The uh, Afghan government forces uh, are nowhere near where they need to be should the U.S. pull out to stand up against the Taliban on their own. So, again, I don't have a lot of sympathy. It's been 20 years. Uh, Sopko said, quote, Afghan security forces are nowhere near achieving self-sufficiency as they cannot maintain their equipment, manage their supply chains, or train new soldiers, pilots, and policemen. You believe this shit? 20 years. And you can't maintain your friggin' equipment. What about all these, what about all the training we've done over the past two decades? With the, you know, and it's funny, and I knew this was gonna happen. It was obvious. You go to Iraq, when I was in Iraq, you'd see crap on the side of the road all the time. You'd see like tanks that you knew for sure were non functional guarding like entrances in and out of the green zone. But they were just there, you know. Maybe they could. Maybe the turrets still work to turn, right? But you could see, you could tell it wasn't functional. You could see all the rust on the treads, and it was just completely uh, non-maintained because that's just, they just don't have it in. I don't know what to say. They just don't have it in them for whatever reason. I don't know. Is it the cultural thing? Is it inshallah? Hey, if the tank works, it works. Inshallah. If the helicopter the United States bought for us, hey, if it gets off the ground, great. If not. That was God's will, too. I don't know. I'm asking. I have no friggin' idea. Remember, more than 2,500 U.S. troops have died and nearly 21,000 wounded. And that doesn't count contractors at all. So Afghanistan, yep, continues to spiral down. Now, let's go next door, practically. Yeah, next door. Let's go to Pakistan. 
where Prime Minister Imran Khan of Pakistan has tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, he is isolating at home. The spokesman for them said that he has a mild cough and a fever. Uh, the Prime Minister had received his first vaccine dose of COVID on Thursday, and officials say it appear he had been infected before he got that dose. Uh, Khan, if you didn't know, he's 68 years old. He's a former uh, star cricket player. He's generally considered to be in very good health. Uh-oh. But critics say he has been rather casual about wearing a mask. Oh. Meanwhile, as far as the coronavirus, and of course we'll have much more on the coronavirus in our update, but Pakistan is facing a third wave of the pandemic with a spike in its positivity rate in recent weeks. In Pakistan, uh, 623,000 people have contacted the coronavirus and more than 14,000 have died. They have begun uh, vaccinating. Again, we'll have more on that later. Let's go to Mexico where gunmen on Thursday ambushed a Mexican government convoy conducting a security patrol southwest of Mexico City, killing 13 prosecutors and police officers in what appeared to be the deadliest assault on Mexican law enforcement in well over a year. Uh, this is a, just a huge black eye for the government security forces, as you can imagine. Yet another reminder of the security challenges facing beleaguered President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, or AMLO, who of course took office in 2018, promising to make Mexico a safer place. He has been unable to put a dent in the violence that has been plaguing Mexico now for more than 10 years. So this convoy was about 40 miles southwest of Mexico City, and they were on patrol to combat criminal groups who operate in that zone. Uh, the death toll, like I said, included eight police officers from the um, security ministry for the state of Mexico. That's called the Security Secretariat, as well as five representatives of the state's attorney general's office. And images taken at the scene of the attack and published by local media showed the bloodied bodies of officers lying on the road and slumped inside police vehicles. It's terrible. And this appears to be the deadliest assault on Mexican law enforcement agents since October 2019. That was when, and I remember covering this one, when gunmen killed 14 police officers, and that was in the state of Michoacan. In that particular assault in 2019, the officers were traveling in a police convoy that was planning to pick up a woman and her daughter to testify as victims of domestic violence. And as they were crossing through the village of El Aguaje in Michoacan, the convoy was attacked by gunmen. In another attack last year, gunmen wounded the Mexican city, Mexico City police chief and killed two of his bodyguards and a bystander when they opened fire on his convoy as it drove through an affluent residential neighborhood of the capital. See, even the rich neighborhoods are not safe. So these latest killings added to... You ready for this total? How many... Quick pop quiz, you guys. How many police officers do you think have been killed in Mexico just in 2021? This is going to blow your mind. You ready? How about 86? 86 cops alone have been killed in Mexico 
in 2021. You want to know what it was last year? Oh, okay. Before I tell you that, there there's a group that tracks how many cops get killed by the cartels. Remarkably, this they only started doing it in 2018. So we really don't even have any figures before then, apparently. Okay, so get this. Last year, 2020, was the deadliest year. How many cops do you think were killed in Mexico in 2020? This is, this is mind-blowing. How about 524 police officers killed? And... Like most crimes in Mexico, the majority of those went unsolved and unpunished. Wow. They have no other comment. They're blaming organized crime. Well, yes, who else would it be? Let us go to Canada. And I know I have many Canadian listeners who have been kind of sending me this these stories. They've been having problems with their military. And uh, a top woman in Canada's military has resigned over sexual misconduct allegations in the military. And this is Lieutenant Colonel Eleanor Taylor. So she decided to uh, write a stinging letter of resignation from the Army Reserve after more than 26 years of service. And she is one of the highest profile women in the Canadian military. And she said, quote, I am sickened by ongoing investigations of sexual misconduct among our key leaders, unfortunately, I am not surprised. End quote. This, I, I mentioned this briefly in past podcasts, but I didn't really have a chance to get into it. So in February, the military police opened separate investigations into Canada's top military officer, somebody named Admiral Art McDonald, and the previous chief of the defense staff, General Jonathan Vance. Now, and this is why I didn't really get into it, because little has been released publicly. All we know is General Vance apparently behaved inappropriately with two female subordinates, and Admiral McDonald has now stepped aside from his position while this investigation gets underway, and so we, we really don't know a lot about it. However, more than a quarter of women in the Canadian military say they have been sexually assaulted during their careers, according to a government survey in 2016. Uh, what else about this? Any detail in here at all? Um, do, do, do. I'm just scrolling down here. Uh, yeah, but that guy, General Vance, he had had an investigation launched against him starting in March 2018 when there was an informal complaint about, quote, inappropriate sexual behavior, end quote. Again, no details there. Mm. So, but that's a big deal. That's like, a, you know, the, the head of the entire Canadian military and uh, two of them gone. Okay, let's keep going here around the world. A volcano has erupted in Iceland. Yeah, this uh, happened last night, Friday evening. <laughs> These Icelandic names. Near Mount Fagradalsvjall, <laughs> about 20 miles south of the capital, Reykjavik. I do know that one. Uh, the agency said that the lava fountains that erupted were small by volcano standards uh, and that the seismometers were not recording uh, that much. Now, this is nothing like that huge eruption in 2010. You guys remember that one? 
That was from the, another huge word here, Ijef Jalajokul volcano in Iceland. And that was the one that spewed so much ash that it grounded all those flights across Europe for many weeks. You guys ring a bell a little bit of that. Uh, but so, but even though it's small, they say it's a, kind of a big deal. It's one of the smaller eruptions they've seen, but they haven't had an eruption in that particular spot in 800 years. It's amazing that they know that for sure. And the particular spot where it is, is kind of close to the capital and the airport. Hmm. This eruption capped an unusually busy spell of seismic activity in southwestern Iceland that began around December of 2019. The earthquake storm started on February 24th with a 5.7 magnitude quake, and tens of thousands of quakes have since followed, with up to 3,000 in just one day earlier this month. Obviously, the magnitude of all those is pretty small, but still, it's a shitload. 3,000 in one day? Iceland, for your information, has more than 30 active volcanoes. Yeah, we should just buy Iceland, I think. It looked, uh, looks pretty cool. Okay, let's go to, oh, this is great. Let's go to Tokyo. And uh, they, there's another Olympic controversy. Now, this follows on the controversy that one old dude, remember who was forced to step down because he said basically women talk too much in meetings? <laughs> yeah. Well, we got it. We got another one. Um, we have the creative director of the Tokyo Olympics, a guy named Hiroshi Sasaki. And he had a great idea for the opening ceremony. He envisioned a popular comedian and plus-sized fashion designer, somebody named Naomi Watanabe, decked out in pig ears, tumbling from the sky as an Olympic messenger. Or, as he put it, a, quote, Olympic, end quote. Get it? And this was actually a while ago that he came up with this. But with the time we live in is so dumb. So this week, one day after a Japanese magazine revealed that Mr. Sasaki, who's 66 years old, by the way, had shared this idea with a colleague a year ago, he resigned and apologized. So the, the actual comment and the idea was a year ago. Just now it's coming to light. So now the guy's like shamed and he has to step down. Oh, here's, here's the guy's name. This departure came weeks after the president of the Tokyo Olympic Organizing Committee, Yoshiro Mori, 83 years old, had stepped down. And that was the guy who said women talk too much in meetings. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Now Sasaki's quick resignation was a sharp Sharp contrast to Maury's, because Maury apologized right away for his comment about women talking too much, but he initially, remember, he said he would not resign, and none of Japan's top government officials demanded his departure, but he did ultimately resign one week later after online petitions cropped up and protests from uh, female lawmakers, and probably most important of all, concerns from Olympic sponsors. Hmm. Sasaki said that he had made his remark in a group chat with colleagues on a messaging app. And uh, he had taken back the suggestion. He did not decide to resign until reporters contacted him for their article. Uh, he 
went on to say in his apology, uh, quote, I have been trying not to hurt others by making fun of diversity, gender, and physical appearances. But it was a great misunderstanding. I realize my low consciousness and insensitivity. End quote. And then he promptly sliced his katana sword into his stomach, revealed his bowels. And no, I'm just kidding. He didn't do that. That would be cool, though. Who is this chick Watanabe? She's 33 years old. Uh, she's been called the Japanese Beyonce. Oh, there's a picture of her. Yes, she is pleasantly plump, I would say. Uh, so there you go. More Japan news. And meanwhile in Japan, there was a landmark court ruling. A Japanese court on Wednesday ruled that the country's failure to recognize same-sex marriages was unconstitutional. This is, a, uh, like I said, a huge decision. It could be an important step towards legalizing same-sex marriages across the nation. So this was handed down by a district court in the northern city of Sapporo, and it came in a civil suit against the Japanese government by three same-sex couples. Uh, the lack of recognition of their unions, they said, had unfairly cut them off from services and benefits accorded to married couples, and they sought damages of around $9,000 per person. Yeah, that's should ask for them. In, in the United States, it would ask for like $9 million per person. Uh, the couples argued that the government's failure to recognize same-sex unions violated the constitutional guarantee of equality under the law. Well, the court agreed. And it wrote in its decision that laws or regulations that deprived gay couples of the legal benefits of marriage constituted, quote, discriminatory treatment without a rational basis, end quote. However, the court declined to order uh, the couple damages, so they're not getting any money. They made a weird argument that the government could not be held liable because the issue of same-sex marriage had only recently entered Japan's public discourse. <laughs> the ruling will not change the law, though, because same-sex marriages will be recognized in Japan only if Parliament enacts legislation and lawmakers have repeatedly declined to take up such a bill. Japan is the only country in the G7, the group of seven nations, that has not legalized same-sex unions. Now, they're not explicitly banned, per se, but they are not recognized by the national government or most localities. Some local uh, governments in recent years have moved to provide gay couples with certificates acknowledging their marriage, but the documents don't really have any legal um, value. So... Japanese public, meanwhile, what's their feelings on it? Uh, the idea of same-sex marriage enjoys broad popular support. In a 2019 poll, almost 80% of respondents 60 and under said they supported the unions. Hmm. But on an individual level, many gay people are still hesitant to come out because of fears of discrimination. From a society, as you guys know, uh, Japanese society... Uh, gives individuals an often intense pressure to conform there. So they, they, they are reluctant to uh, come out with their business. All right, very good. What else do we have? Okay, let's come back to the United States here, and let's talk about this freaking mass shooting. And we are going to go 
to Robert Allen Long, is the criminal's name. And this is all over the media. The media, the media uh, really wants this to be a hate crime. It's not so cut and dry. It's not clear it is. It sounds more like, well, you guys know my longtime stance. Anybody does, this is an incel crime. That's what it is. An incel, keep in mind, just because if you're having se- if you're paying for the sex, in my mind, you're still an incel. Okay. Yeah, you might be getting sex, but it's not because anybody likes you. That's just my opinion. So a little bit about Robert Allen Long. He has been charged with carrying out this rampage at three massage parlors. Of course, this is adding to the nationwide outcry over anti-Asian violence. Uh, He's 21 years old. He'd grown up in a conservative Baptist church. He had checked himself into a rehab clinic for self-described sexual addiction. Uh, By the way, uh, sex addiction is not a professionally recognized thing. I don't know how many of you guys know that. Like, remember when Tiger Woods tried to say he had a sex addiction and all that? Now, they have clinics for it and stuff. I'm saying the, the real, like, you know, medical people, they don't look at it as a technical addiction. Uh, Robert Allen Long was so intent on avoiding pornography that he blocked websites from his computer and only used a flip phone. He worried to a roommate about falling, quote, out of God's grace, end quote. Uh, The church he belonged to strictly prohibited sex outside of marriage, and uh, Long, according to a former roommate, was distraught by his failed attempts to curb his sexual urges. Now, nearly once a month, Long would admit that he had again relapsed by visiting a massage parlor for sex, and he would ask his roommate to then take his computer away from him. This guy's a friggin' psycho, dude. Uh, He had been a customer at two of the spas in the city that were targeted in the attacks, and those killed eight people overall. Six of the eight victims who died were women of Asian descent. They have not specified whether Long had sought anything more than a massage at the two businesses. There's a lot of like stuff we don't know because the media is really, really fucking walking on eggshells of this whole story. We don't know exactly what he got for at these, at these massage parlors. We don't know the legal status of the women in the massage parlors. We don't know if they were actually fucking handing out blowies, handies, rubbing tugs, steaming creams, whatever you want. We don't know anything. Again, because the media is treating this with like real kid gloves and not asking hard questions. Robert Long has uh, been charged with eight counts of murder. Let's see here. A guy who worked, the, the former roommate I mentioned earlier, he said that Long always discussed his visits to the massage businesses for sex in the context of his relationship with God and his parents. So he initially sought treatment for sexual addiction at this halfway house. And then in early 2020, he was moved from the halfway house for more intensive treatment at something called Hope Quest, a Christian addiction center. Hmm. What else about these uh, shootings here? Long brought his Bible to school every day. Uh, He led a weekly gathering of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, uh, and he was an active member at something called Crabapple First Baptist Church, which is affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, 
Hmm. Just going down here and see what else about this dude. He did attend the University of North Georgia. He did not earn any, earn any degree. He dropped out of that, basically. Um, what about the... Yeah, I'm just... I'm looking for stuff about the gun. I'm just going... I have a couple tabs open here, guys, so, so bear with me. I'm trying to find... Put together the whole thing uh, f about the gun and everything else. As far as one of those businesses that he went to and shot the people, police records do show that between 2011 and 2014, Atlanta officers had arrested at least 11 people and charged them with prostitution-related offenses. That was the gold spa in northeastern Atlanta. And those prostitution arrests were made after massage therapists at the business offered to perform sexual acts on undercover officers for money. Uh, so this contrasts what Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms of Atlanta said at a news conference this week because she fucking came out of a news conference and said, quote, these are legally operating businesses that have not been on our radar, end quote. Well, that's false. They were, uh, they, they had at least in the past been, uh, had pro prostitution arrests. Uh, let's see, what else here? Her spokesman was confronted on that and did appear to correct it later. Uh, let's see. Okay, nothing on the, I want to know about it because I've been seeing all over social media that he bought the gun on the same day. And I'm trying to find it. Nothing about the gun though. I'm looking at a picture of him. You guys have probably all seen his picture before. He's fucking pale, pasty, fucking this scraggly, untrimmed beard. It looks fucking awful. Like, bro, why don't you fucking shave that shit off your face and hit the gym? Jesus. Pornography addiction. Christ. Um, let's see. As far as the, the actual killing... Prior to going inside the parlor, uh, Long was seen on surveillance video sitting in his black Hyundai for an hour and watching people enter the business. And then he reportedly spent 72 minutes inside the parlor, suggesting that he may have gotten a massage before opening fire. Wow. Yeah, the media is not touching that one either, barely. That, that's from the Daily Mail. Then he drove 30 miles to Atlanta, almost 30 miles, and that's when he entered the second place, the Gold Massage Spa, and killed three women. And then he went on the run and was driving to Florida to target porn industry locations when he was arrested 150 miles south of Atlanta. As a matter of fact, officers rammed his Hyundai off the road to take him into custody. And that's... He said he basically confessed to the killings right away. So... um. Yeah, I already talked about how they made prostitution arrests. Let's talk about this police spokesman. That's about really, I mean, it's pretty cut and dry. Obviously, you know, I say fucking give them the needle, but, you know, I don't even know if this, Georgia, I'm assuming Georgia probably has the death penalty, but they've been making a hard left turn lately, so they might not have it anymore. So let's talk about this Georgia sheriff spokesman person, which was kind of funny. He got in a big fucking shitstorm, and this was Jay Baker. And apparently he used to work for Scary Blackwater, too, the old contracting company. Yeah, which makes him an evil person, apparently. 
But anyway, he got in the uh, the crosshairs of the uh, the the uh, Twitter blue checks because a dishonest reporter basically cropped a video from it. I'm going to play a little bit of it. And basically the dishonest framing of the video was that this guy said, oh, this guy had a really bad day, and this is what he did. Obviously, that would be a terrible thing to say because, you know, like who cares if you had a bad day? I've had a bad day. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm having a bad day right now. You guys don't even know. I almost did not do the podcast today. Yeah. Once again, personal life in a shambles. <laughs> you know, I have a bad day, but what do I do? Do I fucking go into the massage, get a rub and tug, and then fucking try to kill eight people? No, I don't. And I show up here. This is my job. I know you guys rely on the podcast for your news. I take that very, very seriously. And I, I unless something is really bad, then I try to show up. And here I am. But that isn't really what the guy, he was paraphrasing what the dude told him. Uh, so then, this was uh, Sheriff Baker, Sheriff Jay Baker. And then, of course, they started digging into Sheriff Jay Baker's social media. <laughs> and uh, there was, he had problematic social media posts, including a post that was promoting t shirts with the slogan, quote, COVID 19 imported virus from China, end quote. And Baker wrote with a smiley face emoji, quote, Place your order while they last, end quote. So yeah, so he got milkshake ducked. I think I've talked about that before. Just to, You guys know what a milkshake duck is, right? That's an internet, that's a, that's a catch-all term for an internet phenomenon. Basically, when you get milkshake ducked, it's when somebody who was previously unknown comes into public prominence, say a police spokesman, saw a viral video clip, something, and everybody's like, oh, wow, look at that guy. And then it comes out that he's had horrible, like, uh, personal life problems like racism or sexism or something like that. And the old joke was like, you know, hey, here's a viral video of a, of a duck drinking a milkshake. And then, like, the next day, you know, a follow-up story. We regret to inform you the duck is racist because <laughs> they uncovered his problematic tweets. Hence, milkshake duck. I don't know if you guys know that or not. I might have said the term before. I just want to make sure everybody knows what it is. So yeah, so this is the classic milkshake duck, you know, the previously unknown guy, sheriff spokesman comes out, blah, 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 pisses some people off. They start digging into his past. They find all his problematic social media posts. Uh, so I have the relevant video clip. I'll play a, a, a few minutes here and just uh, kind of let you hear how this goes. Here we go. Baker of the Cherokee Sheriff's Office. So that victim um, is stable. He's in stable condition at uh, Wellstar Kennestone Hospital in Marietta. Was he put in the don't know, um, and, and by the way, we're, I agree with the mayor, we're not going to do any victim shaming. We're not sure what his presence was there, uh, and, we're, and the other people that were killed at the location, we're not going to say whether they were employees or whether they were there just by happenstance. So just don't want to go into that at this time. I do have a press release with their names that we will give you all uh, when this is over with. Um, so. Is that the only survivor? That is the only survivor. We had four killed and one survived. Thank you. Yeah, let me go into a little bit of detail. So the suspect did uh, take responsibility for the shootings. Um, he uh, said that early on once we began the interviews with him. Um, he claims that these, and as the chief said, we know this is still early, but he does claim that it was not racially motivated. 
he apparently has an issue, uh, what he considers a, a, a sex fiction, and sees these locations as something that allows him to, to, um, to go to these places, and, and it's a temptation for him that he wanted to eliminate. Um, that, that, like I said, it's still early on, but those were, those were comments that he made. Did he discuss any kind of religious uh, motivation for this, or was he responsible? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. Or political. None political. I've heard nothing about politics. Any sense of his social media history? Is that something you've been able to look at? That's something that investigators, I and mean, they've been working on it how long, and that's certainly one of the things they'll be doing. Sure. Could you have a sense that he understood what he, the gravity of what he did? Um, when I when we sp I spoke with investigators, they interviewed him this morning, and I, uh, they got that impression that yes, he he understood um, the gravity of it, and he was pretty much fed up, and then kind of at the end of his rope, and uh, and yesterday was a really bad day for him, and this is what he did. Remorseful? Uh, I'm not going to go to. I don't know. Okay, all right. You, so you guys heard it. It was fucking obvious what he was trying to say. He's paraphrasing what the dude said to investigators, but the stupid, worthless leftist media who are desperate to make this not about sex addiction, but to make it into a race crime, just clipped that one little part, and that was the clip that all the fucking big resistance accounts were passing around. So, unlike them, I like to play the entire thing for context, and so now you guys have more context than, uh, than ever. Okay, so that's kind of what it is, and maybe, and who knows, guy? Maybe something will come out where he did hate Asians. But th the thing is, usually, usually people who kill over hate are pretty open about why they do it. I mean, what the remember the church massacre? What was his name? Dylan Roof just pulled that out with a steel trap mind. Yeah, he was pretty open about how he didn't like black people. The guy who fucking killed all the people in uh, El Paso. That one is not coming to mind. The steel trap mind is maybe a bit rusty today. Uh, he was pretty open that he uh, hated all the illegal aliens and all the Mexicans. So they're usually pretty open. The guy who killed the synagogue shooter, he killed Jews. You know, they again, pretty open about why they do it. So maybe they'll find something, but who knows? Sometimes, you know, you can have more than one reason. All right, uh, let's move on here. And let's go to a few archaeology stories. You guys know I love this stuff. And let's start with Israel, where Israeli researchers unveiled this week dozens of newly discovered Dead Sea Scroll fragments containing biblical texts dating back nearly 2,000 years. This adds to the body of artifacts that have shed light on the history of Judaism, early Christian life, and ancient humanity. So these are fragments of parchment that range from just a few millimeters to a thumbnail in size, and they are the first in about 60 years to have been unearthed in archaeological excavations in the uh, Judean desert. Uh, they were found as part of a four-year Israeli national project to prevent further looting of antiquities from the remote caves and crevices of the desert east and southeast of Jerusalem. And this project turned up many other rare and historic finds, including a large woven basket with a lid that has been dated to approximately 10,500 years ago. That may be the oldest such intact basket in the world. And they also found a 6,000-year-old partially mummified skeleton of a child buried in the fetal position wrapped in cloth. How about that? 
the this the kind of the the honcho running this whole thing is the Israel Antiquities Authority. They are the custodian of some fifteen thousand fragments of Dead Sea Scrolls. Oh, I'm looking at a picture of this basket. This thing looks remarkably intact. Very cool. Now, a little bit about the Dead Sea Scrolls. I'm sure you guys have heard the name before. Those were mostly discovered during the 20th century, and they contain the earliest known copies of parts of almost every book of the Hebrew Bible written on parchment and papyrus. And those dated from about the 3rd century B.C. to the 1st century A.D. They are widely considered among the most significant archaeological discoveries of the 20th century and remain the subject of heated academic debate around the world over their authenticity and such. But part of the reason this stuff lasts is because the Judean desert provides uh, this these arid conditions, and that is a very good environment for the natural preservation of artifacts and organic materials. So the latest fragments come from a scroll that was first discovered in the so-called horror cave. And it's written in Greek by two scribes, and they think it dates from the period almost 1,900 years ago when Jewish rebels fled with their families and hid from the Romans in these caves. Well, the Romans discovered these caves and besieged the caves until the rebels starved to death there. And the first archaeologists to arrive in the last century found their skulls and bones placed in baskets in the cavern. So the new fragments do contain verses from parts of the Bible. Uh, the book of Zechariah, uh, that would be chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, including part of the name of God written in ancient Hebrew. Man, very cool. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this stuff. It's uh, very cool. Remember, a Bedouin shepherd first found those jars of the sea, of the ancient scrolls in 1947, and that was near the northern tip of the Dead Sea. But they're still finding shit in all these caves because there's like a quite a cave network. I guess some of them are hard to get to. Like you got to like rappel down cliffs, like halfway up a cliff, shit like that. Uh, so. And then part of the you know caves have collapsed in the meantime. Now, in other archaeological news, a bronze figure of a bull, believed to be at least 2,500 years old, has been unearthed in Greece following the heavy rain near the ancient site of Olympia. And uh, this is a, it's, I mean, it's not like a huge thing or anything, but an archaeologist spotted one of the bull's horns sticking out of the mud after a downpour. So it was transferred to a lab for examination. Initial testing has indicated that the bull dates from the geometric period of Greek art. That would be 1050 BC to 700 BC. And animals such as bulls and horses are believed to have been worshipped over that period because of their importance for human survival. The site of Olympia in Greece is also, in case you didn't know, the birthplace of the ancient Olympic Games. All right, that's great. Okay, what else? Let's go to the border. Yes, because we cover the border every week, the continuing meltdown. Uh, so let's start with what the okay you know so we often talk about the incentivization right and why and and here's part of the problem because Joe Biden hapless sleepy Joe 
He keeps saying he's not trying to tell people to come, and we have clips in a minute. But the Democratic-led House on Thursday passed a bill that would offer a path to citizenship for millions of undocumented immigrants. There you go. There's, there's the incentive. Uh, and this bill does include the so-called dreamers and almost a million farm workers and their families. So... That's right. This, uh, this comes as an increasingly difficult situation unwinds at the U.S.-Mexico border. And, uh, yeah, it's just uh, getting completely out of control down there. So, and he's getting negative reviews. So, I have uh, some good statistics here to give to you. Now, they, according to the journalists... They say they have been using that Title 42 to expel many people who come to the border. Remember, that is the Trump era, era policy. That is the Title 42. That relies on a 1944 public health statute to indefinitely close the border to non-essential travel because, and that's we, we, that, that came about since the coronavirus. Uh, March 20th, 2020 was when the CDC issued the order invoking Title 42. Uh, so, the Los Angeles Times claims in one year of Title 42, because it's been about a year since the CDC uh, un unveiled it, of more than 650,000 encounters with migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border, fewer than 1% have been able to seek protection. Okay. So, I have a. what does that mean? The L.A. Times does not say. Obviously, the L.A. Times is wildly pro-illegal immigration. So what does that mean, be able to seek protection? Does that mean a lot of them were let in and given a court date, but they weren't immediately granted protection? They don't say. I'd like some specifics from that. Uh, so border authorities applied Title 42 to more than 80% of encounters with migrants in the past year. They did carry out 530,000 expulsions, de deportations, as the LA Times writes, almost entirely away from the public eye. So they've been using this Title 42 to turn people back. And that was necessary because remember, the old rule before the pandemic was only illegal immigrants from Mexico could be immediately turned around. Anybody else from any other country had to be given a court date and go through their due process. And Trump short-circuited that and he circumvented that by invoking this Title 42 because of the coronavirus pandemic. And that means they can expel everybody. Uh, so, right now, we have 9,500, more than that, unaccompanied minors in U.S. border facilities but those expulsions did include nearly 16,000 children migrating alone and nearly 34,000 children plus parents. So according to the LA Times, again, notoriously pro-illegal immigration, they we are allegedly expelling them. I would definitely like to see a second source on that. Of all encounters with migrants at the border since March of 2020, only 2% even made it to the initial step of claiming fear of being sent back to their home country. How did the Times get this information? They say they gave an, an analysis of data obtained from U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, USCIS. And only 120 individuals, that's fewer than 1%, have received and passed screenings that give them a chance at winning protection and being allowed to stay. 
Uh, so now they're trying to undo this Title 42. Can you imagine if fucking we didn't have this? <laughs> it would have been, what did I say, 640,000 illegals right there, and that's on top of uh, all the ones we didn't get, which is hundreds of thousands more, obviously. So they don't want that. But Biden doesn't want to get rid of He's not completely an idiot. At least somebody in his administration is like, this is just bad politics, you know. All right. Anything else? There's some good stats in here, actually. Let's move on, though. Let's do some... Uh, the, the New York Times has an article about fact-checking claims on the migrant surge. And uh, let us see if there's anything good in this one. Um, one guy... Okay, they fact-checked this, and they called this false. Ron Klain, who is Joe Biden's chief of staff, said, quote, we inherited a government that allowed the number of beds to safely and humanely house these children, and they had allowed it to shrink to a record low number. And the New York Times said that is false. Um, when the Obama administration faced its own surge of migrant children, the refugee agency increased its monthly bed capacity to about 8,000 beds in the 2015 fiscal year. Under the Trump administration, monthly bed capacity did initially fall to about 7,000 in October of 2017, but grew to over 16,000 by December 2018. So there's not a record low. Anyway, you guys, I don't have time to go through the whole thing, but uh, go uh, read that. Then meanwhile, this came out right when I was prepping for the podcast from Axios.com. The Biden administration has awarded an $86 million contract for hotel rooms near the border to hold around 1,200 migrant family members. $86 million for illegal immigrant hotels. There you go. I just succinctly had it. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I had a brain fart. I succinctly gave you the proper headline for that. Contract is through something called Endeavors, a Texas-based nonprofit. And that's only for six months. Jeez. Um, here's some more stats here. The number of migrant family members caught crossing the southwest border more than doubled between January and February, going to set, going from 7,000 to nearly 19,000. Mexico, again, has limited capacity to take in migrant families and won't accept some with young children. 42% of families were expelled to Mexico last month. That's down from 64% in January, and that's down 91% from October when Trump was still president. More than 13,000 family members who crossed the U.S. border illegally have been allowed into the country since the start of January, many released into border communities. And, the, and importantly, as far as that Title 42, the Biden administration has not used, well, according to Axios, the Biden administration does not use the order to expel unaccompanied children, as the previous administration did. So that kind of contradicts what the LA Times is saying a little bit. So hard to say. I'm just giving you guys the uh, what everybody's saying. And yeah, and, and meanwhile, they're giving them a path to citizenship. So I've got a few clips here about the border. And let's start with... Uh, a few flashback clips. Here's Joe Biden in the first Democratic primary debate when Biden says when he's president, illegal immigrants should, quote, immediately surge to the border. As a presidential candidate in 2008, you supported the border wall saying 
unlike most Democrats, I voted for 700 miles of fence. This is what you said. Then you serve as vice president in an administration that deported 3 million people, the most ever in U.S. history. Did you do anything to prevent those deportations? I mean, you've been asked this question before and refused to answer, so let me try once again. Are you prepared to say tonight... That's open borders advocate Jorge Ramos, by the way. ...made a mistake about deportations. Why should Latinos trust you? What Latinos should look at is comparing this president to the president we have is outrageous, number one. We didn't lock people up in cages. We didn't separate you families. Did. You did. We didn't do all of those things. You did, Number actually. one. You made number the two, cages. Number two, by the time this is the president who came along with the DACA program. No one had ever done that before. This is the president who sent a le- legislation to the desk saying he wants to find a pathway for the 11 million undocumented in the United States of America. This is the president who's done a great deal. So I'm proud to have served with him. What I would do as president is several more things because things have changed. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. I would change the order that the president just changed, saying women who were being beaten and abused could no longer claim that as a reason for asylum. Okay, let me stop him there. Well, they heard you loud and clear, didn't they? They heard him loud and clear. Uh, What else do I have from... uh, my various news clips here. Let's go to, he did an interview with uh, George Stephanopoulos and let's uh, listen to him talk to George Stephanopoulos. Let's talk about the crisis at the border. Some heartbreaking scenes down there Yeah. right now. And a lot of the migrants coming in saying they're coming in because you promised to make things better. It seems to be getting worse by the day. Was it a mistake not to anticipate this surge? Well, first of all, there was a surge the last two years, in, in, in 19 and 20, there was a surge as well. This um, one might be worse. No, well, it could be, but here's the deal. It is. First of here's all, the, deal. the idea that Joe Biden said come, because I, I heard the other day that they're, they're coming because they know I'm a nice guy and I won't do they're what Trump did. This. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. They're not. The adults are being sent back, number one. Number two, what do you do with an unaccompanied child that comes to the border? Do you repeat what Trump did? take them from their mothers to move them away hold them in if they're unaccompanied they're not we're with not the mother that. joe so what we're doing is we have brought in brought Jesus. in HHS why isn't stephanopoulos saying anything there fema to provide for enough safe facilities for them to not to get out of the control of the border patrol which are not designed to hold people for a long period of time particularly children get them out of those facilities and most of them come with a phone number so what we're doing is we're putting together an entire organizational structure so that within seven days they're able to get in the phone contact that number find out whether there is a mother or a father whether it is safe whether it's a secure circumstance to get the child to okay so stop so let me stop me there so we have to set up this entire fucking customer service apparatus for this spend billions of dollars really i gave you guys the number on how many fucking kids are coming over right so you're telling me they're fucking making like all kinds of phone calls and then what do they say when somebody picks up the other line you know and stephanopoulos he just sits there and lets them do it what are you saying exactly when somebody picks up on the other side bueno Oh, yeah, hi, this is the U.S. government calling. Are you a loving parent or a crazed cartel human trafficker? Oh, I'm a loving parent. <laughs> what do you think they're going to say? Oh, yay, yay. I know, guys. I should be doing all the interviews for everybody.
Uh, and here's another clip from uh, Stephanopoulos. Some of the migrants coming in saying they're coming in because you promised. Oh, is this the same one? Um, it seems to be getting worse. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I think it is the same one. Um, yeah, it's the same clip, guys. So I apologize for that. They had a different description on it. But uh, yeah, he did uh, say, he did end up saying don't come, but I think it's a little too late for that. Here is a Democratic representative, Henry Queller who is a border representative and a Democrat, and he's talking about the criminal organizations behind it. Let's Congressman, as you said, you went into one of these facilities um, on Friday. What did, I think it was teenagers, unaccompanied teenagers that were at that facility, what did they tell you? Well, I asked them specifically about the messaging, and I said, has anybody heard the White House say, don't come? Nope, not a single hand. And I had about 20 16, 17-year-olds with me. And I said, what about messaging from your friends and family? Almost everybody raised their hand. They said, yeah, we've heard from our family members or friends. Come over, come over. And they said, we see images of people coming across the river. And then I asked them the, the third message. I didn't want to say criminal organizations or drug cartels, but I said, any groups uh, help you get here? They hesitated, but they pretty much acknowledged of uh, that there are groups, which are the criminal organizations, uh, coming in. Yesterday, I had a call with a high-ranking Mexican official, a uh, former official that dealt with this. He told me the same thing. You know, he says it's the criminal organizations that are using the messaging from um, uh, from the uh, Biden administration and turning that uh, to their advantage so they they can recruit more people. Look, okay, yes. Out. Obviously, I've told you guys before, nobody gets to the U.S. border without the drug cartel being involved. Everybody knows this. And then you want to talk about messaging. Well, here's hapless DH secretary Mayorkas, the new guy, telling migrant parents we're not going to expel your child if they're sent here alone. Secretary, I, I cannot begin to imagine the difficult decision that these families are making. And if you say to them this morning, do not come, the next question is going to be, how long do I wait and what am I waiting for? Is there going to come a, a moment where you say, question. okay, now's the time? In, in weeks, in several months, we will um, expand the legal processes that we already have started to rebuild. We already have reinstituted the Central American Miners Program Great. that was built in the Obama-Biden administration and that was torn down by the prior administration. Torn down! We understand <laughs> that out of desperation, some children might not wait. Some loving parents might send their child to traverse Mexico alone. Loving parents. Oh border, my God. Our southern border. I hope they don't uh, undertake that perilous journey. But if they do, we will not expel that young child. We will care for that young child and unite that child with a responsible parent. That is okay. Cool. So there you go. There you go. We will not expel your child. Well, you believe this guy in a country, the United States, where fucking if you send your kid to the park alone, the cops come visit you. Child Protective Services come visit you, right? In the U.S. if that happens. But you send your fucking kid alone through Mexico on a thousand-mile journey with hardened drug cartel human smugglers? That's a loving parent? No, notice again, that was on a Good Morning America interview. Notice again, the guy just sits there and just nods his head along like a big dope. Instead of interrupting, be like, dude, are you freaking out of your mind? These young girls, what, you don't think they're getting raped, sexually molested? Young boys, you don't think they're being used for drug smuggling, all kinds of other horrible crimes? Wow.
And then at the end of it, there you go. We will not expect your, expel your child, and we will take care of your child. And then once the kid's in here, guess what? Chain migration. The kid can send for his parents back in the home country, and the whole family comes up. Jesus. That was shocking to me. I got one more. Here's a hapless press secretary, Jen Psaki. And, you know, this has been driving me crazy all week, you guys. The stupid media keeps asking, well, is this a crisis? Say it's a crisis. It's like, dude, who cares what you call it? Call it an issue, a kerfuffle, a crisis, a concern, a shit show. Who cares what you call it? What are you going to do about it? You only have so many questions when you're questioning the press secretary of the president of the United States. Why are you wasting your time on verbiage? But let's play one of these dumb clips here. Folks in the back. Go ahead. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, a couple quick questions. When you were talking a moment ago about diplomatic negotiations between the United States and Mexico, um, you said crisis on the border. Is, is, was that a... Uh, Challenges on the border. Okay. Challenges. But there so you go. That's not, that doesn't reflect any change in nope. the administration's view of things. Nope. Okay. Well, um... Okay, so there you go. Nope. Nope. What a dumb guy that was. Okay, what else? Um, all right, we did that one. Let's go to a couple Green Beret stories. That's right, Army, Army Special Forces. Here's a bad one. A former Green Beret wearing a tactical vest struck an officer in the face of the flagpole he was wielding like a spear during the Capitol riot. This was Jeffrey McKellop, who was arrested this week. And he is the first known Capitol rioter to have served in the elite special operations division of the military. During the January 6th riot, he carried a flagpole with at least two types of flags. A thin blue line flag, of course, a police supporter flag. And a 13-star Betsy Ross flag with the words Trump, keep America great, printed on it. And then he stormed the Capitol wearing a helmet, goggles, and gas mask. Uh, he pushed three officers by swinging his arms downward. He tried to grab a can of riot control spray from one of the cops, and he threw a bottle at a line of police officers. And he picked up a flagpole from the ground and struck an officer in the face. Good for you. You're Antifa. Good. You're just like them. You're no different. In searches of his home... Law enforcement recovered multiple firearms and a flashbang device. Mm. In search, in a, this is funny. In a vehicle search, they identified a go bag with meal bars, water purification equipment, clothing, and a firearm. So he was ready to go. Uh, let's see. McKellop was in the military in the 90s, I guess, and was deployed overseas as recently as 2018 as a contractor for the CIA and the State Department. Oh, man, I wonder if I knew this guy. That would be funny. So there's one Green Beret story, and now here's the other one. Do you remember I've talked about this guy a couple times, and this is Major Matthew Goldstein. I'm not sure if it's Goldstein or Goldstein. G-O-L-S-T-E-Y-N. That is the retired Green Beret officer that was pardoned by former President Donald Trump. He was trying to get his Valor Medal and his Special Forces tab back because they had been stripped by him. And this is before he faces a court-martial. Um, I mean, he was pardoned before he could face the court-martial on that murder charge. 
So an Army Review Board in June denied an appeal filed by Goldstein after his November 2019 pardon, where he sought the reinstatement of his Special Forces tab and the issuance of the Distinguished Service Cross that he was once approved to receive but was never awarded. Um, This was only made public this week, which is why it was in the news. Uh, Remember, the Distinguished Service Cross is the nation's second highest award for battlefield valor. And who is this guy? Well, remember, they stripped the awards from him after he admitted the killing of an unarmed Afghan man while he was deployed to Marja province in 2010. And then, remember, he was applying to the CIA and admitted all this shit, and the CIA contacted the Army. They started looking into it, and this is fucking what happened. Uh, So he's again appealing that since, you know, Trump pardoned him. Now, let us go to foreign military news. And, you know, I tweeted this video out. I believe it has since been deleted. And I had it up on my, I also put it on my Instagram at BK actual because, but it was so horrific uh, that I didn't want to get kicked off Instagram. So I did delete it. And this is the friggin' video of the British Royal Air Force. And uh, just friggin' gnarly, dude. And this is when they were using some kind of friggin' uh, hazing ceremony. And they were using a 28-pound mortar barrel. And they were using it on this dude's ass. That's right. And on the bottom of the barrel is this big socket, right? The kind You know, like if you have a trailer and a trailer hitch on a car, you know the ball socket that goes into the trailer hitch? Yeah. It's like that on the bottom of the mortar, and that was apparently in this dude's friggin' asshole. And they filmed it, and it's friggin' sickening. It was very hard to watch. I've told you guys in the past that I don't know what it is with, like, you know, Brits, South Africans, Aussies, Canadians. They've got this weird shit where they like to get drunk and, like, do shit with their genitals, and they think that's, like, just good times. Like, it's, it's good times and not at all gay, to like come up behind you or something while you're all drinking and like, you know, tap their cock on your cheek or something like that. That's like just good humor to them. Whereas in America, you know, that's like fist fighting. But they, they, they're really weird that way. You guys remember, this goes back a long way. You remember when the, remember when Blackwater first got in trouble? Remember Armor Group, the contractors for the State Department? And they were all like South Africans and Australians and shit. And they were pouring like liquor down each other's ass cracks and drinking it. And stuff. It's just really like gay, weird butt stuff. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know where it comes from. But yeah, they were all laughing in this video. And uh, it shows, the video does show a naked airman being held down by drunken troops before they assault him. Uh, they don't know or at least they haven't said whether he was forced to grow through it. It appeared that he was passed out. And this incident took place recently in the UK at the end of a course in which RAF regiment personnel were taught to fire mortars. And the disturbing video shows the troops spitting mouthfuls of lager at the airman's backside. His legs are then forced apart as the four-foot barrel of a mortar, which weighs 28 pounds, is lowered behind him. The weapon's ball-shaped socket is then used on the airman as his colleagues slap his buttocks, and a couple of them are naked too. I'm telling you, it's the weirdest shit ever. Under the Sexual Offenses Act 2003 in the UK, the act of assault by penetration carries a custodial sentence of up to 19 years. They should get the death penalty as far as I'm concerned. Just friggin' disgusting. 
And you guys know my longtime stance. I've said it many, many times whenever these things... I'm all about hazing. I'm all about friggin' making dudes chug beers and shit like that, taping them to backboards, hanging them upside down for a little bit, you know, pouring, you know, whatever. Fucking the minute you start touching genitals, it's fucking, it's too far. I, mean, I shouldn't even have to say that out loud. Because not only is it too far, it's freaking gay as shit. No offense to gay people, but it is gay as fuck. Like, even gay people are like, dude, what are you fucking doing? It's foul. It's disgusting. It's a sexual assault is what it is. And I don't know how this isn't sinking in. You know, making dudes do push-ups while drinking. All good fun. I'm all for, I'm for all of that. But uh, I never, fortunately, I never saw anything near any of that. We did plenty of hazing when I was in the military. We did a little bit of hazing, and it all involved alcohol. Nothing like this, and there was never anything close to this. I can tell you that right now. Just freaking absolutely gross. If you want to, go look for the video. It's probably on the internet somewhere. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, okay. And this is funny too. I'm, a, I'm skipping around a little bit today, you guys. Like I said, I'm having a, a little bit of a hard time today. And I'm just, you know, thanks a lot for sticking with me. You know, the thing is, running this podcast, you know, I have a life just like everybody else. And it, it's hard sometimes. You know, the last thing I want to do some weeks is do the podcast. And, you know, because I, I, want, I want to be funny and I want to be sharp and I want to be on all the time. And I want every podcast to be as good as I can do. I really try to do the best I can do every week. And I, I really want every podcast to be great, be entertaining. But the fact is, I'm a human just like everybody else. And sometimes it's harder for me to do it than some weeks. And this is one of those weeks. So I appreciate you guys hanging in with me. And, uh, you know, we'll try to get through it. Uh, luckily I do have some amusing stuff. Did you see Biden trip yesterday while boarding air force one? <laughs> and this was not just a trip. Like he fell like three times. It was painful to watch. And I'm not taking pleasure and mocking like an old man. This is like elder abuse, dude. He's obviously not all there. He's falling. He's forgetting people's names. He stares into the teleprompter. Supposedly, there's finally going to be a news conference. I wonder what the rules on that were going to be. You know his staff is going to be terrified. You know he's going to be injected within, with all kinds of substances. I'm, I'm assuming the questions will be pre-approved, and I'm assuming he'll have a hand-picked number of sympathetic reporters to call on. So we'll see how it goes. That's supposed to happen this week on Thursday. But yeah, he fell off balance while boarding Air Force One before his Friday trip to Atlanta. And you know what his, his press secretary, the deputy press secretary, blamed it on the wind. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, I, too, a grown man, often uh, fall down because of wind. Yeah, right. It's pretty bad, dude. And you know what? People were like, well, let's not mock the old man. And I'm not mocking him. I'm, I'm concerned that this is like the leader of the fucking country, right? But, you know, you, and as many people point out, you contrast this to how the media treated Trump gingerly walking down that ramp at West Point. You guys remember that? That was the subject of, like, days of social media roundtables speculating about his health. Days. Hours. Many, many articles. Uh, and, and, and the one with Joe Biden fall and, and that was what Joe Biden did was 10 times worse than Trump, like gingerly walking down the ramp. And, uh, the media barely talked about it. This was all over social media was the primary driver of all the stories. But the, here's Joe Biden because he kind of mocked Trump when Trump 
gingerly walk down the ramp. Take look a listen. He steps and look how I step. Watch how I run up ramps and he stumbles down ramps. Okay? Come on. See? Let's play that one more time so you guys get the very beginning there. there look at how he steps and look how I step. Watch how I run up ramps and he stumbles down ramps. Okay? Come on. Okay, so there you go. He's mocking Trump walking gingerly down the ramp. Man. And the media, yeah. Friggin' embarrassing. Most of, most of the resistance uh, all um, basically ignored it. And speaking of uh, politicians, uh, good old Governor Andrew Cuomo is now facing new claims of sexual harassment from a current aide. Uh-oh. He called her and her co-worker, quote, mingle mamas, end quote, as in mamas who like to mingle, and acquired about her lack of a wedding ring, she, he told her she was beautiful and Italian, and as she sat alone with him in his office awaiting dictation, he gazed down at her shirt and commented on a necklace hanging there. <laughs> this was Alyssa McGrath, who was an employee of the governor's office, and she told the New York Times, she's 33, that Cuomo would ogle her body, remark on her looks, and make suggestive comments to her and another executive aide. Yep. And... This follows, remember, that other current aide who accused Mr. Cuomo of groping her breast. Now, that woman has remained anonymous still. We still don't know who that is. But McGrath, the one who's talking about being ogled, says that that unnamed aide did describe that breast groping in detail to her after it was made public in a report in the Times Union of Albany last week. Hmm. So... Once again, he re he's refusing to, to resign. And, you know, it, I don't know, maybe, according to polls, most people don't think he should resign. So, you know, maybe, I, I think really secretly, most people really don't care about this. They don't care about, like, you know, sexual innuendo because, I mean, honestly, a lot of people have probably done it. And most people don't care, even though they'll say they care. But when it comes time to vote, they're not going to vote him out. I really, I don't know if he, is he up? I can't remember if he's up for re-election again. But all the, uh, the state legislators want him gone, and he's like, "No, I'm not. I'm not quitting." So we'll see. Okay, uh, let's see. What else do I have here? Well, let's go to something uh, a little bit more. Uh, you know, uh, in my dark world, is amusing. And this guy's. I've done so many of these stories. A 17-year-old has tragically died at his home after, yes, a sex act gone wrong. Oh boy. It's over in the UK. 17-year-old Joshua Deacon was discovered on his bedroom floor after suffering asphyxiation by hanging. That's right. Yeah. He uh, fucking uh, did the old autoerotic asphyxiation. And when they searched his house, there were items consistent with autoerotic paraphernalia at the scene. Then they searched his laptop and mobile phone and revealed he had saved the address of a porn website and had also made a search related to strangulation. That's no good. Yep, you guys, you got to use a spotter. Remember fucking Carradine? Didn't David Carradine, remember David Carradine? You know, the, the Kung Fu guy, Kill Bill. Remember, he died of this, right? And I suspect that maybe a couple other celebrities died of this that they never really fucking admitted to. 
Chris Cornell. I, I mean, I just, I don't know for sure. I'm not saying anything. I just suspect. But Carradine did this for sure, the autoerotic asphyxiation. And I, and I never got a follow-up to this story, but some had speculated that he actually did have a spotter because he was overseas at the time in some Asian country. I can't remember which one. And they speculated that he did have like a little kid that he hired to like watch him. And then, and then like, you know, the fucking Carradine's just like, and he's out and the kid's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. And he took off. And I never found out if there was any truth to that story at all or not. But I don't know. Guys, just friggin' use a spotter, okay? All right. And then uh, one more time, one more crazy story. And guys, uh, this is, again, a story that I've seen more and more. And no, it's not the same one. This is a different one. Let's go to the Times Now News of India. And one more time, a 16-year-old boy died after three men allegedly inserted the nozzle of an air compressor into his rectum and inflated it. Mm. This took place in the Pilibit district of Uttar Pradesh. He was, like I said, a 16-year-old boy. He was, employed, he was employed at a rice mill. On March 4th, three workers at the rice mill, for some reason inserted a high-powered air compressor into his rectum and pumped compressed air into his body. The father is quoted, uh, I'm sorry, a report by the Times of India is quoting the father, and they say, quote, on March 4th, when he, the victim, was about to eat his lunch, three laborers identified as Amit, Suraj, and Kamlesh grabbed my son. Amit and Suraj held his hands while Kamlesh pumped air into his body by the rice mill's air compressor through his private parts, end quote. Jesus. Yeah, that's friggin' death penalty material for sure. They don't give a reason. But they said he suffered a slow and painful death over two days. God, just awful. I don't know what it is with these uh, friggin' air compressors, man. Okay, uh, let's see. Let's go to this story. Let's talk about China and Sleepy Joe Biden. And, uh, yeah, they're already blowing up here. Now, this has uh, been brewing for years, this bad feeling between Russia and China. Uh, first of all, Biden agreed with the proposition that Mr. Vladimir Putin of Russia is a killer. And then the Chinese meeting with the United States for the first time since the new administration took office lectured Americans about the error of their arrogant view that the world wants to replicate their freedoms. Mm. The meeting on Thursday and Friday in Anchorage uh, between the Americans and Chinese uh, made headlines, uh, obviously, for its uh, tension and... I have the clip here that was kind of floating around, and this is not good. And also, supposedly, so Anthony Blinken, the secretary, the new Secretary of State, he's sitting next to an Asian woman, an Asian American, and she's got dyed purple hair. And there was supposedly some great pleasure from the uh, displeasure from Joe Biden that he took this chick there. So let's listen to the this little exchange at this meeting. We'll also discuss our deep concerns with this actions by China including in Xinjiang, Hong Kong, Taiwan, cyber attacks on the United States, economic coercion toward our allies. Each of these actions threaten the rules-based order 
that maintains global stability. Well, you can't blame this problem on somebody else. I have to tell you, what I'm hearing is very different from what you described. Uh, I'm hearing deep satisfaction that the United States is back, that we're re-engaged with our allies and partners. I'm also hearing deep concern about some of the actions your government is taking. Well, I think we thought too well of the United States. We thought that the U.S. side will follow the necessary diplomatic protocols. So for China, it was necessary that we make our position clear. So let me say here that in front of the Chinese side, the United States does not have the qualification to say that it wants to speak to China from a position of strength. Okay, so yeah, they're pretty much just saying, uh, who are you? You're, uh, you're, you're nobody to us. Hmm. Yeah, mutual public denunciations. The two sides did leave the Anchorage Hotel without any joint statement of their willingness to work together. Uh, this uh, an analysis of this says this rancor aired by China's top diplomats reflect a newly combative and unapologetic China. Beijing's perception of the United States is uh, shifting. The Americans, in their view, no longer have an overwhelming reservoir of global influence, nor the power to wield it against China. And this has made China more confident in pursuing its aims, such as the uh, human rights issues in Hong Kong. We've covered that throughout the last year or so. And those territorial disputes with India and Japan. You guys remember the uh, Nepalese fighting? And the South China Sea and Taiwan, all that other stuff. Uh, yeah, pretty crazy. This was, who was the uh, guy's name? Yang is the only name I have of, of the uh, guy who was talking here. I'm just scrolling through this uh, article trying to find the dude's uh, full name. Here he is, uh, China's top diplomat, Yang Ji-shi. And Yang did deliver a 16-minute uh, basically speech accusing Mr. Blinken, Secretary of State, and Jake Sullivan, Biden's national security advisor, of condescension and hypocrisy. Jeez. All right, you fucking want to play? Let's play. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's serious. We have to uh, get very serious about China. All right, let's go to the vagrants. And you guys probably forgot about this already. Again, the speed of the news cycle is so fast. But we had the vagrants killed here in San Diego. Three vagrants were struck and killed by a driver here in San Diego, my town. A man who was impaired drove a car onto a sidewalk in San Diego on Monday morning, killing three people and injuring six others. And there was this big tent city on the fucking curb underneath the overpass, which was because we have a soft touch for our new mayor. They're allowed to take root. And this is what happens. This is 9 in the morning. It was underneath the San Diego City College campus. They identified the driver as 71-year-old Craig Voss driving a station wagon. Uh, he is expected to face three counts of vehicular manslaughter and among other things. They determined he was impaired based on the results of a field sobriety test. 
And the area where the crash occurred, again, is known as a place where homeless people seek shelter on the sidewalk in tents. And we've had, uh, you know, wet weather here recently. And this made nationwide news. Bad shit. And in other car crash news, once again, we had another massive car crash that killed eight illegal immigrants. Yeah, and it's this is different from the one that killed, like, what, 25 the other week? A man from Texas is facing federal charges after the authorities said he drove a pickup truck at speeds of over 100 miles an hour during a police pursuit and crashed, killing eight undocumented immigrants. 24-year-old Sebastian Tovar was charged this week with transporting illegal aliens resulting in death. Um, this was after a high-speed chase that lasted nearly 50 miles and it occurred Monday on U.S. Highway 277, about 30 miles north of Del Rio, Texas. I'm sorry, I misspoke. This comes two weeks after 13 people were killed in one of the deadliest border-related crashes. There was 25 people crammed into that SUV. That's what I meant to say. This guy, Tovar, was driving a maroon Ram pickup truck when somebody tried to pull him over for speeding, DPS, Department of Public Safety. And when he went into the opposing lane of traffic, he struck a white Ford F-150 head-on. And that killed... And, and the passengers, everybody who got killed was in his truck. Okay, so he was, uh, again, probably smuggling illegal immigrants. All of them were Mexican nationals between the ages of 18 and 20. Miraculously, the driver and passenger of the other vehicle were hospitalized in stable condition. That's fucking crazy, dude. Like... Head on, going probably 75 miles an hour, and that boy, that says something about the safety features in, in modern vehicles. You would expect like everybody to be killed easily. Hmm. You know what is funny? In this story, they mention right near the crash site. Um. Right near the so the, the the crash happens right on Highway 277. They have the crash site taped off, and the cops are there. Another Ford F-150 stopped in the northbound lane of traffic. The U.S. Border Patrol agents there instructed its driver to return south on the highway. Well, all of a sudden, the occupants of the truck fled. It was a clown car. They all they all jumped out of the truck and fled into the bushes. The agents later located 12 people from that truck. And yes, they were also undocumented immigrants. Man, it's just going on and on. Okay, what else? Couple. Uh, let's go to a couple tech stories here. You guys remember the big Twitter hack? Remember that uh, young hacker who was accused of being the mastermind behind a breach last year of high-profile Twitter accounts? Well, he has pleaded guilty in a federal court agreeing to serve three years in juvenile prison. This was 18-year-old Graham Clark. And he faced fraud charges after a hack that compromised Twitter accounts belonging to Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, former President Barack Obama, and other celebrities. Remember, this was when the accounts tweeted out fraudulent messages soliciting Bitcoin. Remember they said, hey, we'll promise to double the money of anyone who sends us Bitcoin. So you send me one Bitcoin, I'll send you two. And... Be showing how remarkably dumb people are, 
they did manage to net Bitcoin worth more than 100,000 US dollars before it was shut down. So a lot of people said, oh shit, Barack Obama is promising me double my Bitcoin. Sure, I'm on board. <laughs> Yikes. They were wondering how somebody so young could penetrate the defenses of this. The attack did take control of Twitter's internal systems that are used to manage accounts and force Twitter to temporarily block verified accounts from tweeting. Yeah, so he's going to do a few years in jail. Really? Three years in juvie for that? Meanwhile, other tech news. Netflix is testing a clampdown on password sharing. I know I'm one of the few people in North America who's not have Netflix. But yes, they have started testing a feature that could prod users who are borrowing a password from someone outside their household to buy a subscription. They said the feature was being tested with a limited number of users. This may signal a broader clampdown on the common practice of sharing passwords among relatives and friends. So some users began to notice the feature recently when they logged onto a shared Netflix account and saw a message on their screen that read, quote, if you don't live with the owner of this account, you need your own account to keep watching, end quote. And then to continue watching, those users were asked to verify that it was their account by entering a code that was sent to them by text or email or join with their own account to Netflix. They also had the option to complete the verification process later. So a lot of people were probably just next. So this is more like a, of a gentle nudge, it appears, than like a hardcore like crackdown. But we'll see. I mean, I can't imagine how many people are actually sharing passwords. <laughs> it's just probably a shitload. All right. Let's go to our coronavirus update and see what we got here. Total reported cases in the United States, 29.7 million confirmed cases. They do continue to slow, albeit at a slower rate, but that is down. The 14-day change is minus 11%, so continuing to slow. Total reported deaths in the United States, 541,037. That is a minus 32% change in the 14-day rate. Uh, let's see. So case numbers have leveled off nationally at around 55,000 a day. There's continues to be hot spots. Reports of new cases have increased by more than 80% over the last two weeks in Michigan. Uh, new Jersey and New York continue to lead the country in recent cases per capita. The pace of vaccination continues to increase with the country averaging 2.5 million shots a day for the first time. At least 17 states have announced plans for universal adult vaccine eligibility. So now everybody, doesn't matter if you're an essential worker or if you have underlying health problems, they're saying, come get it. And that should happen in March or later in April. Case numbers remain relatively low in much of the South. Arkansas is averaging fewer than 300 cases a day. That's down from about 3,000 in early January. So let's go to the uh, kind of live New York Times like live um, ongoing live updates page and a few news topics. First, I talked about the Tokyo Olympics earlier. Spectators from overseas will not be allowed to attend the Summer Olympics in Japan. That is considered a major concession to the realities of COVID-19, even as <clears throat> excuse me. Tokyo continues to go ahead with plans to hold the world's largest sporting event. 
Remember, those were originally scheduled for 2020, but they were delayed by a year because of the pandemic. So they're supposed to begin in July. And a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of people don't even want them to be held in this year. Uh, so they're kind of compromising by saying, okay, we're, we're, we'll just allow, we'll bar four inspectors, so only locals. And the Paralympics are supposed to start in August. Those will also bar foreign spectators. But the public is still concerned because, you know, obviously you're still going to have thousands of athletes, coaches, officials, journalists coming from all over the world to the event. Not going over so well in Japan, nearly 80% of the public wants the Olympics postponed or canceled altogether. Uh, Japan has had about 455,000 COVID-19 cases and about 8,797 deaths during the pandemic. Pretty good compared to most of the world. Let's see, what else? Denmark reports a death and a critical illness after two AstraZeneca vaccinations, prompting more reviews. You know, this, this, this AstraZeneca, it's, 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 this is the scare tactics because the bottom line is millions and millions of people in dozens of countries have received this AstraZeneca's COVID vaccine. But just because a few people have side effects, now like everybody freaks out. And because, of course, that's what the media runs with the headline, right? The headline is always like, side effects, man dies, blah, blah, blah. And then in like, you know, paragraph 27 is like, oh, out of, uh, it was one guy out of like, you know, 2 million doses. If you can get the vaccine, get the vaccine. Uh, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention announced that elementary school students and some middle and high school students could be spaced three feet, three feet apart in classrooms. The previous guidance said six feet. Well, the experts are saying a growing body of research shows that six feet is not much more protective than three. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, I, I tell you, it's been six feet for a year. They said as long as other public safety measures are in place like mask wearing. Well, of course, you'd have to expect the teachers' unions are still not on board. Yes, they're still saying it's not good enough. Boy, these teachers' unions. So what's the bottom line here? What do you guys think is really going on? Because schools around the country are all, are, uh, most schools are open. A lot of, I don't know if most are. I should say that. A lot of schools have been open for a long time. In Florida, they've been open for a long time. There's been no community spread at all. So what's the holdup? Do they do the teachers unions are are they are they really afraid? Do you think they're actually afraid, or do you think it's they don't want to work because they got a good deal with the Zoom thing where they can work out at home? Which one is more likely to you? The president of the American Federation of Teachers, Randy Weingarten, is all over Twitter saying, "Nope, still not good enough." So now we can safely call her a science denier, right? Isn't that how the game is played? The superintendent of L.A. County Schools, that is the nation's second largest school system, they have allowed students to return to classrooms for a mixture of in-person and remote learning starting in April. But I read about the in-person thing, and it's fucking absurd. It's like a teacher in the next room, and the remote learning is also like the kids can go to a classroom, and then a teacher's sitting there, but they're still looking at screens. It's dumb as shit. I don't have the exact thing in front of me. Some experts are questioning the pace of reopening on in New York. Some Republicans are rejecting vaccines. Hmm. 
In the House, about 25% of lawmakers have not received a vaccine. Okay, well, what are you going to do? All right, what else? Anything else about the coronavirus, teachers union, blah, blah, blah. Uh, There was also this story. The U.S. is going to send millions of vaccine doses to Mexico and Canada. I thought we were I thought we didn't have enough. Well, the White House said on Thursday they're going to send millions of doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine to Mexico and Canada. And part of this reason is the huge flood of fucking illegal immigrants at the border. The US is planning to share about 2.5 million doses of the vaccine with Mexico and 1.5 million with Canada. Remember, tens of millions of doses of the vaccine have been sitting in American manufacturing sites. Their use has already been approved in dozens of countries, including Mexico and Canada, but has not yet been authorized by American regulators. They say this would essentially be a loan, and the U.S. would then receive doses of AstraZeneca in the future because we don't have it approved yet, and the other countries do. So they're saying, well, we'll give you them these now, and then you give us more later. Hmm. I don't know why people don't get it. Okay. Is that all I got for coronavirus? It is. Okay, let's keep going. All right. Oh, one of you guys sent me this. Let's go. You guys know I love these stories. The 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 Sun, the tabloid, the British tabloid. They had a great story. It was titled "Killed by a Selfie: World's Deadly Selfie Addiction Revealed as 330 People Over the Past Year Have Been Killed While Taking a Selfie." You believe that figure? <laughs> I'm sorry. Is this? Uh, hold on trying to remember okay it's i think this might be past decade yes it is past decade poorly written article it says over the past decade each year has seen tragic deaths including people falling off cliffs being electrocuted or drowned in the search for the perfect picture and scientists have now been calling for no selfie zones now what three countries have the most selfie deaths injuries you guys well, dude, number one, it's not even close. It's not even close. You know what the number one country is? India. They have seen 176 deaths relating to taking selfies. In second place is the United States with 26, way bef- way behind. And then Russia is third with 19. What is the most common location for a selfie death? That would be a railway line. Some 62 people have died or been hurt on railway uh, tracks. The next one is cliffs, 38 people. And then the next one is rivers, 24. <laughs> oh, man. This includes in India in 2017. I don't think I covered this. Story. How did this one escape me? In 2017, eight men aged 21 and 28 through 28 died when they went to one side of a boat to take a group selfie and the boat fucking capsized. Uh, three members of the same family drowned while trying to take a selfie in a deep pond. That was also in India. God. And uh, this uh, article goes into some good detail about this. So uh, please, uh, guys, go check this out. In an electrocution in Croatia, two men climbed onto a container on a train when they wanted to take a selfie, and one was killed as a result of an electric shock of 25,000 volts. 
In 2018, five people died when a helicopter that had been flying above Manhattan for them to take shoe selfies crashed in the East River. Yeah, you guys remember that? They, they wanted to take a picture of their shoes dangling above the skyline. That was the whole purpose of the trip. Well, the chopper crashed, and then they were not able to take off the harnesses that kept them tied to the doorless aircraft so they could take the pictures. Oh, man. Now, so that's like the, the good article, but uh, in the news, it's prevalent, we do have a new selfie death right now. This is in Brazil. Two friends died falling down a waterfall when a woman fell taking a selfie and her buddy tried to catch her. Fernando Danzinger, 31, and Amy Caroline Duarte, 23, fell 138 feet to their deaths at the Chicago Waterfall in southern Brazil on March 14th. Yep, Caroline is said to approach the top of the waterfall to take a selfie with her mobile phone. She slipped. Fernando rushed over to help her, trying to pull her to safety. Apparently, she was like dangling or something, but then he also slipped, and they fell over 40 meters to their deaths. Oof, you guys are going to learn. As you're going to learn. All right. Let's keep going here. And let's see. What do I have? Well, let's talk about... Well, let's do this one. Okay. Uh, bad headline from the Miami Herald. South Florida veterinarian charged with child porn had sex with dogs, according to feds. Mmm. Federal agents took 40-year-old Prentice Madden into custody on charges of possession of child pornography, receipt of child pornography, and animal abuse. Madden was the medical director of Caring Hands Animal Hospital in Aventura, Florida. Oh, man. Yep. He's being under a federal law that outlaws animal abuse, one that was initially created in response to a genre of cruelty in which people record the harming of animals for the sexual gratification of viewers. You remember the, that was like the crush laws, they called it. Remember crushing? Yeah. They used to like, you know, video like women like stepping on mice and shit like that for like, and, and tape it. And like guys jacked off to that for some reason. Well, they got a cyber tip in Dropbox. So they traced the files to this guy's house and found all kinds of child porn. And yes, then they had videos of images and uh, photos depicting bestiality. And in his live chat with somebody, as some social media chat, Madden admits in detail, oh God, to having sex with and abusing dogs. And one video was traced as having been taken at the Helping Hands Animal Hospital in May 2018. And that led HSI, Homeland Security Investigations, agent Leah Ortiz to write, quote, this leads me to believe that Madden may be abusing animals entrusted to his care. No, end quote. <sighs> the Alabama native, the veterinarian, graduated from the Tuskegee University College of Veterinary Medicine. Lord. Uh, you know, these are usually charged in state court, but now, again, this is a federal crime now. Among those charged in Florida in recent years for animal abuse, 
Uh, here's one. A man who beat his beagle puppy to death. A teenager who lit a caged cat on fire. An Instagram model who kicked her puppy. A man who conducted botched amateur dog surgeries. And then several accused of hoarding animals in squalid conditions. Oh, here's a little bit more about what I was talking about. In 2014, the Herald chronicled the life of Adam Redford, a boat captain who became South Florida's secret purveyor of crush porn. Yeah, X-rated videos featuring women graphically slaughtering chickens, rabbits, and hogs. Redford was not charged. He was just like the, the fucking producer, I guess. And the, actually, the two fetish models had their animal cruelty cases dropped because of the statute of limitations. So that was part of the reason they came up with this uh, federal thing right there. Hmm. Okay. Let's uh, go on to a few more here. Let's talk about the Marines. You guys remember the whole, like, Tucker Carlson dust-up I talked about the other week? Well, the United States Marine Corps has had to uh, smack the dicks of some of their stupid social media accounts because now they're having uh, social media accounts run by, no doubt, insanely woke second lieutenants who are uh, being very snarky and inappropriately unprofessional. And this came from the Second Marine Expeditionary Forces Twitter account. And it mocked Carlson for his segment, again, about women in the military. They, in a, in a since-deleted Twitter post, they had a photo of a female Marine carrying another Marine on her shoulders, and they said, quote, what it looks like in today's armed forces, at Tucker Carlson, get right before you get left, boomer, end quote. And many people were very unhappy about that, especially, you know, the, the disparaging term boomer, as many pointed out, you know, there's a lot of fucking Vietnam Marine veterans who are boomers, now, and for you to be like, oh, and so they're using it in the context of oh, you're so clueless, you're a boomer. And I don't even think he is a boomer anyway. Yep, unacceptable. As backlash mounted, the second MEF information group deleted the posts and issued an apology of its own. Yeah. Fucking morons. Everybody has to be woke and snarky now. Like, be, can you be a professional for like 10 friggin' seconds? Can you be a professional? No, is that too much to ask? God. More military news. A 31-year-old Fort Bliss soldier was shot dead by his 13-year-old stepson with his own gun after allegedly assaulting the boy's mother. Sergeant First Class Alan Edwards, 31 years old, was shot multiple times and killed at the family's home in El Paso. Police say the juvenile suspect saw Edwards assault his mother hours earlier. The 13-year-old boy allegedly grabbed Edwards' gun and shot him after he began arguing with his mother. Edwards had married the boy's mother in March of 2020, and the couple welcomed a baby daughter last July. Yeah, jeez. Uh, the 13-year-old stepson has yet to be charged, so maybe they'll call this some kind of uh, you know, self-defense for his mom. Hmm. He was supposed Edwards was a division master gunner with the 1st Armored Division, if you know the unit. Oof. Not good. All right. Let's keep going here. Let's go to uh, fucking bumbling Governor Gavin Newsom, my governor. California recall is all but certain now, based on the official signature update. 
Supporters say they submitted 2.1 million raw signatures by the deadline, which was this Wednesday. The threshold is 1.5 million valid signatures. Well, the first post-deadline tally from the California Secretary of State's office said that proponents have at least 1.2 million valid signatures. So they have still another, like, you know, 900,000 to go through. So that is going to be enough. Absolutely. So Newsom himself has said the recall election was likely to happen this week, which is why you saw him going on his media tour and going on uh, all the shows. So I've got a few clips from him, including The View and other stuff like that. And uh, let's listen to him here on The View, where he's talking about, the oh, this is all run by right-wing extremists. It's like me come and go. At the end of the day, these principles are what we're fighting for. So, Governor, you say that this recall effort uh, has ties to the same extremist groups that stormed the Capitol. But organizers <laughs> claim more than a third of signatures are from Democrats, independents, yep. and unaffiliated voters uh, mad that your pandemic policies shuttered businesses and schools. Still. Are both true? Well, the chief proponent of this, and, 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 and forgive me, this is just objective truth. The chief proponent of this recall petition uh, supports uh, putting microchips into migrants, uh, into immigrants. <laughs> uh, the other proponents, the chief, the top 10 proponents, the people that are behind this are members of the three percenters, the right wing militia group, oh, the Proud Harry. Boys supported the insurrection, uh, are folks that quite literally, enthusiastically support QAnon. Uh, conspiracies. And so that's the origin here. Now, as it relates to the people that signed this petition, it just takes uh, one quarter of people that supported Donald Trump to put a petition uh, on the ballot, or rather a recall on the ballot. We're one of just 19 states in the country that allows this process, but we have the lowest threshold in America. And of course, you're all very familiar. Uh, we had a recall not too many years ago in 2003. And so, Whoopi, it goes to your original question. Am I worried about it? Of course I'm worried about it. Good. The nature of these things, the up or down question, the zero-sum nature of the question is challenging and vexing. And so, you know, we're, we're taking it seriously. I, I have to do my job every single day. All right. All right. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. No more of you. No more of you. Why can't I close this? Close. Shut it. Stop. Okay. He's gone. Jesus. This guy. Uh, here he is with uh, <clears throat> Dumbo Jake Tapper on CNN. Uh, this is where he's talking about the infamous French laundry dinner. Let's listen to this It's one. been observed that the recall petition had only around 50,000 signatures until you infamously attended that dinner with multiple other households at that fancy restaurant, French Laundry or whatever it's called, a birthday party for a lobbyist, no mm, whatever. less. That's what it's all called. All while you were telling Californians that they should be staying at home. So with about 50, 55,000 signatures before you had that dinner, then a month later, that 50,000 signatures had become something like 500,000. Now, I know, Governor, you have apologized for that dinner. You called it a mistake to go. But what I was wondering at the time, and I don't think you've answered, what on earth were you thinking? What a dumb question. Well, as a friend of, of over a quarter of a century, he's having his 50th birthday. Restaurants were open in the state. I wasn't suggesting people should not. All right, let me just, what is fucking stupid question from Jake Tapper? What do you mean? Was, why don't you ask him? Why? 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 Here's what I would have said. You were there without a mask in the middle of the pandemic that you said was crazy. So were you afraid because none of you are wearing masks and you're inside. So, and if, and if you were not afraid, then why are we shut down anywhere? Why is everything not open? 
That's what you should ask, not like, what were you thinking? And I like how he prefaces it by like, I know you've apologized. Just shut up, dude. You don't have to do his job for him. Let him talk. Uh, let's see. Do I have a few more? Um, played that one already. Uh, there was, uh, yeah, he, he groveled to the view also about, uh, the French laundry. So I'll just skip that one, but he got all his, uh, loser democratic party governors to start chiming into like Biden tweeted about it. Bernie tweeted about it. And then Elizabeth Warren, she cut a video for this stop the recall group for Gavin Newsom. Let's Hi, play this. I'm Elizabeth Warren, and in a moment, I'm going to ask you to join me in rejecting the Republican recall of Governor Gavin Newsom. Not a Newsom. Republican recall. But first, let me explain why. The Republican Party has found their latest cynical scheme to disrupt COVID recovery efforts and to rile up the Trump base by rallying around a campaign to recall Governor Newsom. Rather than allowing Californians to focus on vaccinations, reopening, relief, and recovery, Republicans want to spend millions of taxpayer dollars to recall Governor Newsom in the middle of a national crisis. So please, join me and Democrats of all stripes to forcefully and unequivocally reject the Republican recall Twice. of Twice. Okay, so they just say the same talking points over and over again. That's funny. And Gavin Newsom has been all over the place talking about like Proud Boys and QAnon and Trump, and he throws Trump's name and everything. He's trying to like you know change the subject. Pretty funny shit. All right, let's go to this one. Police man in Indiana allegedly killed four after arguments about stimulus check. This guy allegedly killed three adults and a child after arguing with his girlfriend about her stimulus check. The four deceased victims were ages 7, 23, 35, and 44. One adult woman who was also shot and hospitalized identified the suspect as her boyfriend, Malik Halfacre. She told police that Halfacre had fled the residence after the shooting with the couple's six-month-old daughter. Well, luckily, the baby was discovered safe at the home of Half Acre's city. Uh, I'm sorry, at Half Acre's sister, who allegedly told cops that he admitted to killing the four people and told her details about how it happened. Jeez. <laughs> yep, Half Acre had demanded at least half of the $1,400 stimulus check that uh, his girlfriend, Junetrius Moore, had allegedly received as part of the most uh, recent COVID-19 relief package. Hmm. Couple more crime stories. Florida man exposed himself while riding scooter at Walmart. Oh man. <laughs> Get the mugshot, man. The suspect is 80-year-old Hoyt Neely. Hoyt. That's a good old-timey name. The Chiefland Police Department says it was first received complaints about a man exposing his sexual organs at a Walmart this week. Witnesses told police the man was riding around the store with a hole in the crotch area of his pants, exposing his genitals. And investigators told police, uh, had, investigators said police had received similar complaints in the past about a man matching Neely's description, but had never been able to identify a suspect until now. Wait, so you got complaints of a guy in a scooter, dong hanging out, and you just couldn't fucking catch up to this master criminal in his scooter? Come on, guys. Let's go. 
Uh, let's see. Boys, 14 and 16 years old, are charged with murder and arson for killing a 53-year-old man by setting him on fire in his upstate New York home. 16-year-old Xavion Perry and 14-year-old Adrian Adriel Riley Jr. have been charged with second-degree murder and arson in the death of Stephen Ammenhauser. Ammenhauser was sitting in a chair when he was doused with flammable liquid and set on fire. He suffered second- and third-degree burns to 70% of his body, later died of his injuries. Wow. Police say the victim was familiar with the suspects from the neighborhood, but they do not know what prompted the attack. What is this, just a fucking sick, psycho torture game of some kind? All right, couple fantastic headlines, and a couple of you guys sent me both of these. In Russia, headline, pervert sex shop customer is beaten with a sex aid and chased out by a sales assistant after she catches him pleasuring himself in front of a BDSM mannequin. <laughs> a lot to take in there. Uh, yeah. The, uh, it filmed the male customer browsing a sex shop on closed-circuit television camera. He was guided around the store by a helpful sales assistant, but then he was temporarily left alone. Well... He spotted a dummy, like a mannequin, of a woman, you know, like a, a, what you'd see at a mall wearing clothes, except this one was wearing black latex. Well, the man began pleasuring himself to the mannequin. But then moments later, the sales assistant who had been helping him returned. I'm watching on video right now. This is freaking hilarious. There's, there's video at the Daily Mail. So she grabs the first thing that she can find, which is she snatches a plastic penis off a rack on the wall and starts hitting him over the head with it as he's frantically tucking his genitals back into his pants. Oh, no. Oh, there's still shots. There's fantastic video. It's got everything, guys. Go Google it. I know it's an audio-only podcast. This is why I know... You know, this is one of the few audio-only podcasts anymore. Everybody else has video. I know. I know. I'm old. I'm old school. What can I say? One day. And then here's the other fantastic headline. Spanish porn star who killed fashion photographer by giving him poisonous hallucinogenic toad venom during a shamanic ritual has been charged with manslaughter. And I do remember covering this when it first happened. This was 47-year-old porn star Nacho Vidal. Uh, he administered the Colorado toad venom to Jose Luis Abad. And this is, uh, it is thought that Vidal provided this as part of a shaman ceremony at his home in Valencia, Spain. They inhaled this, apparently, in some, some way. And... This was supposedly to help Abad cure his cocaine addiction. So in a video recorded on Abad's mobile phone, he can be seen inhaling the crystallized venom for 20 seconds before he begins to sob and contort his arms and legs. Well, a couple other people present started to ring bells and beat tambourines, but Abad's face and chest began turning blue. Then Vidal begins administering first aid and tells the cameraman to call for help. <laughs> yep. The suspect 
had failed to take precautions in case the ceremony went wrong, and that's why the judge said he was going to charge him with manslaughter. In case you're wondering, this toad, the Colorado River toad, is a rare species native to the Sonoran Desert from northern Mexico to California and Arizona. It does contain a venom. It secretes it through the skin, containing a very powerful natural psychedelic substance known as 5-MeO-DMT. And yes, that is very similar to the DMT found in ayahuasca. That is the powerful hallucinogenic concoction from the Amazon, of course. And once inhaled, the venom can produce a psychedelic experience in 15 seconds, which lasts between 20 and 40 minutes. Hmm. And Vidal claimed that this toad venom had uh, cured him of some shit. So there you go. All right, a few more headlines. Grandfather, 102 years old, found dead after being hacked with a machete in the garage of his L.A. home in a random attack by a 47-year-old axe-wielding psychopath. Yusuf Mahboubian was found dead in his garage in Encino, Los Angeles. He had immigrated to the United States from Iran more than 30 years ago. Police have arrested 47-year-old Adam Dimmerman, who was also charged in a separate attack nearby in which the victim was assaulted but not killed. Apparently, he had never met this dude before. The victim's family said it was a random attack by a psychopath. Wow. Uh, let's recognize this athlete, Dick Hoyt. He was the famous marathoner who ran marathons while pushing his disabled son, Rick. He has died at 80 years old. What an, what an athlete this guy was. He finished more than 1,000 road races while pushing his son. They were very well known for competing in the Boston Marathon. Dick Hoyt did die this week as, at 80 years old. His son, Rick, was born in 1962. He was a quadriplegic with cerebral palsy, unable to control his limbs or speak. Uh, so uh, he, 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 uh, he had some insane times. Their fastest marathon time came in 1992 at the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington, D.C. They ran that in two hours 40 minutes and 47 seconds. That time put the Elder Hoyt number one in the 50 to 59 age division, and nobody else was fucking pushing anything. That's an amazing, amazing accomplishment. And they ran the Boston Marathon nearly every year from 1980 to 2014. At first, they had to run unofficially because officials there did not want to classify their hybrid entry as either runner or wheelchair, right? Because they were kind of a little of both. And famously, they ran it in 2013. They were stopped from finishing because of the deadly bombing at the finish line that year. They thought that was going to be their last one, but they decided to pay tribute to the victims and return in 2014. That he finished in 2014, and that was his 32nd completion of the Boston Marathon. Further, they ran in triathlons, including six at the Ironman distance, in which their best time was 13 hours, 43 minutes, and 37 seconds. Pretty, uh, pretty well-accomplished athlete, for sure. Rest in peace. Uh, the Vatican has barred... Gay union blessing. Yep, that's right. 
The Vatican declared this week that the Catholic Church will not bless same-sex unions since God, quote, cannot bless sin, end quote. So much for the cool pope, huh? Yes, uh, they issued finally a formal response to a question about whether Catholic clergy have the authority to bless gay unions. The answer, contained in a two-page explanation published in seven languages and approved by Pope Francis, was negative. The note distinguished between the church's welcome, welcoming and blessing of gay people, which it upheld, but not their unions. So they argued that such unions are not part of God's plan and that any sacramental recognition of them could be confused with marriage. Meanwhile, in other Vatican news, an ex-Vatican altar boy has testified that an older seminarian would come into his bed at night to perform a sexual act on him in the Vatican's youth seminary. <laughs> this is notable because this was inside the Vatican's criminal courtroom in the first ever case to go to trial alleging sexual abuse within the Vatican walls. And he was an altar boy who served at papal masses at St. Peter's Basilica. So the Reverend Gabriele Martinelli is accused of abusing his authority as a more senior seminarian to force the accuser, known as LG, oh God, into carnal acts of sodomy and masturbation using violence and threats from the year 2000 to 2012. God, can you imagine how much fucking shit has gone on in there? I can't even imagine it. Go read again, guys. I've mentioned this book a few times. Go read the book in the closet of the Vatican. They interview all kinds of like male prostitutes in Rome that surround the you know around the Vat around Vatican City who are like, oh yeah, yeah, I bang these priests all the time. It's crazy. Uh, how about a couple shysters? Some some people got snookered. How about this one? One of you guys sent me this one. A North Richmond Hills woman is speaking out for the first time about the romance scam that cost her close to $200,000. This is in Texas. Jane, not her real name, uh, says uh, her husband of 25 years died. You know, she was trying to move on with her life, started interacting with people on social media. And one man came on strong using a line from a famous Bruno Mars song, quote, I think I want to marry you, end quote. And his profile had Mars's name and photos, so Jane assumed it was the famous singer. Well, he started grooming her, trading messages, started asking for money, and it started getting bigger and bigger. She thought it was Bruno Mars the whole time. The messages were filled with declarations of love and devotion. She received an engagement ring in the mail. <laughs> it, received, it arrived in a priority envelope from Houston with Mars' name in the return address. Yeah, and he said, oh, I'm unhappy with all this fame and equipment. I just want to come live with you. Oh, by the way, can you build me a studio? So she went and bought music equipment, including guitars, drums, and microphones, and made a room, made a studio in her garage. Oh, Lord. Th this goes on and on. She had a guy at her front door saying, oh, I was sent from Bruno. Well, he needs money. Can you hand me over some money? <laughs> Yep, she finally uh, got on. Guess what? They contacted the, the, when investigating. She she went to the cops. Investigators traded the, traced the cashier's checks that she had written out to two Nigerian citizens in Houston. 
Both of them have been charged with money laundering, but prosecutors believe the mastermind, the actual Mars guy who hit her up, the imposter, is still overseas. Last year, more than 23,000 victims reported more than $605 million in losses and romance scams. Yeah. Meanwhile, another scammers. A Florida woman was arrested for allegedly posing as a licensed plastic surgeon after she botched a man's nose job. <laughs> Alcalira Jimenez de Rodriguez, 56 years old, was in the middle of performing another procedure on Thursday when Doral police officers nabbed her in mid-surgery. This man said he paid $2,800 for the surgery, which had to be repeated because his nose wasn't healing properly. He asked Jimenez de Rodriguez for her medical license number and her medical malpractice insurance information, but she refused to give it. Yeah, that's a bad sign. Yep, so they uh, went and snatched her up. All right, guys, let's go to the audio clips of our mask meltdowns, etc. I know you love them so much, and let's start... Do you guys remember this one? I think it was from last week or either week before. This was the anti-mask chick in Texas who received to, he, she refused to leave a bank and got dragged out by the cop. Let me just play a few seconds of it to bring it bring it back to you here. You're it's this girl. Okay. People's human rights. Okay. okay. Ooh, let's go no, outside. Let's go outside. Is he going to shoot me, people? Is no. he going to shoot me for trying not to breathe? Cool. Come, cool. On, Come on, dude. Don't re oh, don't do that. Oh no. Okay, you guys remember that one? Okay, I'm just like I said, just a few seconds of that one because I want to get to the next one. Well, the same chick was at it again, and this time she's shrieking away in a store. So this is a grocery store. This is the body cam video of the cop walking in. So it's a little quiet at first, and then you'll hear the cop walk up. So let's go to this. If you refuse to leave, you're going to go to jail for trespassing. You can't. You want to read this? These are my I'm not going to ask you These are my federal rights. Grab your stuff. Let's go. No, I'm not going. Okay. You're in violation of the law. You want to hear this or not? No. Pulling out the handcuffs. What are you doing? Don't, you know jerk, don't jerk away okay. from me. Listen to me. Don't jerk away you from me. You see this? Yeah, I saw it. You see this? You know where it came from? Turn around. You know where it came from now? Turn around. Okay, I hope everyone's filming this because this is a major violation. Listen, I don't want to hurt you. A major violation. You're going to take me down? Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. Okay. Oh, you guys are in such trouble. Yes. I'm sorry, that's my personal business. You may not have it. That is my personal business. You may not have it. You are taking my rights away. Let's go. You know what? That pocket is really, really tight. No, I'm trying to school you people. I'm trying to school you people about my rights. <laughs> yep, leading her outside. Right. Are you a lady the other day causing issues in Galveston? No, I was a lady the other day 
Oh yeah, and they and they and then they recognize her as the same chick. So, what what a fucking nut, dude. What? Imagine this. Okay, now here's this is in Texas also, and this chick is destroying a counter until she's dragged out, and you're gonna hear her just screaming away. Let's listen to this. Dragging her out by her foot. Good God. <laughs> okay. Uh, lady on Vos- Las Vegas has a public meltdown. Compares masks to segregation. Flips out on two black women. Now, this is a little soft at first. Let me fast forward here. So she, in case she couldn't make that out, she went up to the two black chicks in line with who are wearing masks, and she's like, "I love you," and they were like, uh, "Please go away," and she's like, "Fuck you," and she starts throwing shit at them. That's funny. Uh, okay, this one was good. I only listened to a few seconds. Of this this was some kind of YouTuber or Twitch guy. He's a live streamer. I don't know where this is. He oh, it's in Simi Valley, so north of Los Angeles. He goes by Chicken Andy uh, uh, on whatever streaming service he uses. He decides to walk into the Big Five sporting goods in Simi Valley and just starts throwing around the N word. <laughs> Listen to this shit. Here we go. Hey, no guys. Shut the fuck up. Hung for Gucci's. Get, get out of Shut the fuck up. I own this store. You're a pussy ass bitch, nigger. Hey, I don't give a fuck about your kids, nigger. Hey. Don't touch me. I'm drunk. Get out of here. Whoa, 
And Silverman's right here. You guys are following a fucking loser. Get the hell out of here. Get the fuck out of here. You got your shit now. Go. What, you think you're fucking tough? Please, you're the one cleaning, bitch. Hey, you're the one cleaning, bitch. Why don't you turn around and fuck yourself? You're bitch. So are you, bitch? Look at your nose. Get out of here. Look at your face, bitch. I'm gonna fuck you up. You're a pussy. I hope you get fired, faggot. Don't fucking touch me. Don't fucking touch me. Get out of here. Shut the fuck up. Get out of here. Talk to my wife like that again. Hey, we got here. Get the fuck out of this room. He's walking, he's in the parking lot, picking up Everything his backpack. You ready? Let's go. He's all smiling. Hey, hey, stop, it's over, it's over. Hey, fucking go, faggot. Suck my dick, nigga. Oh. He's trying to, like, get back in the store. Hey, this guy's causing trouble right here. This guy's causing trouble. All right, follow me, dude. Ground, we're gonna get on the ground. Get on the ground. You too. On the ground. Thank you. Put your hands on top of your head. Don't move. Put your hands on top of your head. Don't move. Thank you. I'll be taking that. Put your hands behind your back. Hey, I didn't do anything. Can I bend my arms, please? No, you can't fucking bend your arms. Okay, I'll just stop it there. It goes on. God. What an idiot, dude. Is that all I have for my... Audio? Okay, those are all the good uh, mask meltdown slash racial slurs. Let's keep going. Uh, let's see. A couple of uh, more sports stories here. First of all, boxing great Marvin Hagler did die at the age of 66. Uh, his wife, Kay, announced her death on Facebook. There was some like coronavirus theories floating around, but she's denying that. Now, in other sports news... Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson is now facing sexual assault allegations from 12 women. Uh, Tony Busby is a lawyer representing at least 12 women filing civil assault lawsuits, not criminal. So I'm always suspicious when it comes to this. There have been no criminal charges filed, just civil lawsuits, which makes me automatically suspicious. But seven lawsuits have been filed and five more are coming. Several of the 12 Jane Doe's were hired to massage Watson. And uh, the most recent incident happened earlier this month. And um, yes, Watson has hired his own high-profile attorney, Rusty Hardin, who, by the way, got Roger Clemens acquitted in 2012 after the pitcher was accused of lying to Congress when he denied using performance-enhancing drugs. Hmm. So, I've got a few details from the case, and one of them, um, <laughs> dude, this is this is gnarly. In one of them, apparently, one masseuse claimed Deshaun Watson demanded she oil his anus several times during an aggressive encounter. Uh, according to the lawsuit, Watson got aggressive, telling plaintiff to go higher and higher towards his penis. Plaintiff said no and said she was confused because that is not where his glutes were located. Watson kept insisting, saying, come up more and go here towards his genitals. It was at that point that Watson moved in her direction, causing plaintiff's hands to touch Watson's genitals. <laughs> oh, this whole detail, if you want, if you guys go to totalprosports.com, uh, you can, uh, you can go through the whole friggin', uh, sorted, 
uh, case here. It's uh, it's all pretty uh, it's all pretty fucking sorted, honestly. Yep, and apparently old Watson liked his uh, anus oiled. I mean, who doesn't, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know what I'm saying. Don't listen to me. Yep. Watson exposed the tip of his penis from under a towel he brought. This was a, a separate suit. He's got a smoking hot girlfriend. I'm looking at a picture of his Instagram account right now. Hmm, weird. Okay, so we'll see if it's real or not. Uh, update on a story I did in the past. You guys remember the Spanish rapper who was clear who was accused of slicing off his British roommate's penis? He's been cleared. The British man told the judges that he had mutilated himself over his own gender issues. So Andrew Breach, 35 years old, said judges, no, I cut my penis off this year. He initially told police his roommate, Aaron Beltran, 31 years old, that is the Spanish rapper, hacked it off. But then he turned around and said, no, no, no. Beltran is actually innocent. I did it myself. He claimed this in his two-day trial over March 1st and 2nd. And so they arrested the Spanish rapper. Police did recover the amputated sex organ, and it was successfully reattached. Hmm. All right, very good. So there's your update on that, guys. We do updates here. That's the way it goes. Okay. Uh, you know, I I should have had this with the uh, Deshaun Watson story, but as long as we're talking about massage therapists, let's there's there's let's go to this one. A Springfield massage therapist has been charged with second degree sodomy. Seth Galen, 33 years old, was charged after an incident occurred. According to a probable cause statement, a man reported to police that the incident occurred at the Grove Spa in Missouri. Galen reportedly touched the man's genitals during a massage. You know, I just assume that if you go into a massage parlor, you know, there's certain, like, I don't know, fucking expectations a little bit about what's going on in there. I don't know. All right, starting to run out of time, guys. Let's go through some headlines. Uh, Florida. Deputies, deck, deck detectives released the video of a man on Wednesday who was accused of masturbating in front of a woman and teenage girl at a bank in Lauder Hill. The man had a full beard and he was holding an iPhone. The criminal sexual act happened about 8.45 p.m. on January 20th at TD Bank. The women were working for a janitorial company that is in charge of cleaning the inside of the bank. And this man was caught on video walking up to them, and he started pleasuring himself. Wow. Very good. Okay. What else? Tax uh, deadline has been pushed back. Filers will have until May 17th to file their taxes and set the usual April 15th deadline. They said that this extension will hopefully ease the burden on filers dealing with the economic upheaval caused by the coronavirus, which, of course, has put millions of people out of work or caused their hours to be cut. Meanwhile, if you guys haven't received your stimulus check, you can uh, still uh, uh, check in on that. You can go to the IRS's Get My Payment tool, which is located at irs.gov. So Google IRS Get My Payment 
and look for the .gov website, and you can type in your information, and you can see the status of your check if you guys haven't got it yet. Uh, this one is pretty fascinating. This Pennsylvania woman is accused of using deep fake technology to harass cheerleaders. Three teenagers received a series of harassing text messages over the course of last summer, and so did the parents and owners of the gym where they practiced. Some of the anonymous messages contained doctored images and videos that attempted to incriminate the teenagers with fake depictions showing some of them nude, drinking alcohol, or vaping. Well, on March 4th, the mother of another teenager in the cheerleading program was arrested and charged with sending the messages, apparently using deep fake technology to add likenesses of the girls to incriminating images. Believe this shit? Rafaela Marie Spone, 50 years old, was arrested, accused of cyberbullying. Is there any motive here listed? Yeah, very long story at the New York Times, guys. Uh, I don't have time to get into it, but go uh, check that one out. Just fucking bizarre what people will do. Homelessness in the United States rose for the fourth straight year with about 580,000 people living on the streets or in temporary shelter at the start of 2020. And, of course, this is a, probably a wild underestimation. This shows a 2.2% increase in homelessness from the previous year. It's probably far higher than that. Uh, they are trying to deal with this. They added some of this to the coronavirus uh, stimulus package to try to help people. The package includes $21.5 billion for emergency rental assistance, $5 billion in emergency housing vouchers, $5 billion for homeless assistance, and about $850 million for tribal and rural housing. That's just going to go into the black hole, pretty much. A 26-year-old drunk suicidal man shot dead his grandparents, his uncle, and injures a 19-year-old relative before one victim returns fire and kills the gunman. This is in Phoenix on Tuesday. Uh, who is the shooter? Gilbert Gonzalez, 26 years old, shot to death. Delia Noriega, 66. Isaias Tovar Sr., 62. And uh, there was um, also Gilbert Gonzalez, 26, and Isaias Tovar Jr., 31, uh, all died. Wow. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I might have misspoke there. They did say, okay, they say Gilbert Gonzalez was the shooter and he was speaking of suicide. He opened fire on his grandparents, uncle, and young relative. One victim grabbed a gun and then they killed uh, Gonzalez. Jesus. Not good. Okay, guys. I'm fucking running out of time here. Uh, so let's go to the big finish i know i had a lot this week but yes and many of you sent me this story i had to actually say people stop sending it to me let us go to florida where a pantsless florida man was arrested after police spotted him doing what pleasuring himself with a pickle while on a private premises <laughs> this is four o'clock in the afternoon a cop saw 47-year-old Eric Detige, D-E-T-I-E-G-E, -E -E, lying on his back without any pants or underwear on in front of a townhouse. This is in the Tampa Bay area. 
Well, he had his penis in one hand and a large uneaten pickle in the other hand. And the cop added in the arrest report, this is a direct quote from the arrest report, he was, quote, ready, get ready, using the pickle to penetrate his rectum while he was masturbating, end quote. Uh, he is being held in the Pinellas County Jail. His address is listed in some friggin' trailer park. Uh, oh, by the way, funny note, jail records, he does have a record. He has prior convictions for theft, disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, and criminal mischief. And jail records show that he has, quote, only God can judge me, end quote, tattooed on his arm. No, Eric, we are all judging you. I'm judging you quite vigorously. Guys, fuck, that's all I got for you. There goes the iPad. Voice is shattered. I gave it everything I got today. I'm sorry if it was less stellar than usual. Like I said, they got a lot going on this week. Please follow me at BravoKiloActual on Twitter and check out the Instagram at BKActual. Guys, please go to Patreon. Look for BKActual. It's the only way I can get the podcast going. Unfortunately, I did lose, for whatever reason, a large patron, and I'm actually negative for this month. So if you ever wanted and thought about maybe kicking in a buck or two to help keep the podcast going, please go to patreon.com and look for BK Actual. And let's keep it going, you guys. It's the only way I can keep doing this week in and week out. And that is all for me. I will see you next week. Oh,